it is time to change the global misconception that meditation is difficult hello ladies and gentlemen this is nishant and welcome to another episode of the nishant garg show this show is for people who want to live a fulfilled life through mindfulness practices and personal transformation my job on this show is to invite world class performers to share the practices to live a fulfilled life this episode guest is julie hunt Julie Hunt is a Chopra Global Certified Meditation, Ayurveda and Yoga instructor, founder of the Bija Living Community. She creates loving spaces for people to practice the life-changing techniques of meditation, mindfulness and manifestation. She has inspired thousands of people as a teacher, coach and digital program creator, featuring the world's thought leaders including Dr. Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, Dr. Andrew Weil and Martha Beck. immersed in wellness for more than 25 years she is devoted to helping you discover your true nature and access deeper states of inner calm joy bliss and vitality she has been featured in san diego magazine chopra center lifestyle newsletter about meditation blog inside timer and much more now let the episode begin julie welcome to the show Thank you so much. Great to be here. I would like to start off with this favorite quote that you have put in your profile. The moment you were born, the universe was singing a song to welcome you into the world. Many go their entire lives without hearing the sound vibration of the song, and I truly truly welcome you onto this podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so true. You are a Chopra Dr. Deepak Chopra, Global Certified Meditation, Ayurveda, and Yoga Instructor. So how did you get here? What's your story look like? Oh, okay. It started more than 25 years ago in a uh, little elementary school classroom that when yoga was not arise, I took the yoga class and we pushed all the school desks out of the out of the way and rolled out the paper thin blue mats and practiced practiced a ashtanga uh primary series and i was really taken and moved by the postures so and a yogi first and foremost for over 25 years and i think the first 5 years maybe it was my physical fitness <laughs> regimen is very young and being in my early years of college and it took me down a path of really getting to want to study the vedic tradition wanting to know that knowledge coming ayurveda i became a yogi and so i started this path that was my passion and my life and i the one piece that came much much later in life the piece that i'm most passionate and i spend most of my time teaching now which happens to be uh the meditation piece but i kind of just landed in a little funky space with community gosh you know 25 years ago and it led me to right where i'm sitting now which is really beautiful to think back that far 25 years of meditation and yoga and uh, you you mentioned once upon a time that 20 of those years were felt like a meditation failure you didn't know what you were doing you were just trying something and you felt it was a failure and i'm sure a lot of people in this world keep trying new things in the meditation but they feel like they're failing 
and how would you suggest what's the well, let me rephrase my question how does the right meditation process look like oh it's such a good question nishan it's i like to say there's no right and wrong in meditation and but i think that most of us thinking way too hard <laughs> for about it really so i think when we can dispel number one myth that you have to clear your mind that you have to stop that when you close your eyes be pure silence if we can dispel that myth i think we would all be able to receive whatever form of meditation because there are many many different styles and forms and ways to meditate all taking you towards the same goal really of taking you beyond or the thinking mind into the space of silence and really true essence of who we really are so if we can dispel the myth that we have to clear the mind then i think we can all enter the idea that meditation is really easy and ex- kind of exploring some of the styles that are better for us so for me personally i felt like a complete failure because every single time i sat down to close my eyes no matter how someone described it to me how they tried to teach me gave me very specific instructions visual they would do guided very instructions even on this punch level and i just was never going to clear my mind and i believed that i'm smart enough to not sit down and do something that i know i'm not going to do right <laughs> so i didn't take the time really to put in the time to meditate had i listened followed the process and been able to say oh i'm not going to clear my mind i am going to have thoughts i can welcome those thoughts those thoughts are part of the process if i stuck with it then i really seen these beautiful benefits in my life which is really what i saw in yoga for 20 years right because yoga is yoga and uh when i say yoga right now i mean the physical mat the pose that we you know know the best in here in the west and and i was really doing that i was creating space between activity creating the space between the thoughts i was accessing my true self and creating this union but i thought that meditation was sitting cross legged sitting still having your mind be empty i guess somewhere along the wall with a monk and that was just not my life <laughs> it still isn't my life i still have lots of thoughts so I think we can all if we can dispel that myth we've gone 90% of the way to say okay I'm going to sit and learn some of these practices and really be forgiving and allow myself maybe where you start that quote to say I'm a gift from the universe and I'm going to reconnect to that and allow and not like fight a process of having to fight a natural part of me away because our mind are very impulsive and we have thoughts and it's really natural well, that's what our mind does right it's this beautiful machine that allows us to problem solve and be creative and think of things it's just all the other you know 60 to 80 thoughts that are sort of colliding and spinning and like of those thoughts about 90% of those are repetitive thoughts and so that's where we can really clear that space and start to notice the difference in our life
And after 20 years of your meditation experience, you realized that you were not doing it right. So at what point, what made you realize that you are doing I, it the right way? Well, I went to work for Deepak Chopra, the Chopra Center, and I was with the digital learning line team. Working with that team, I started taking his signature teachings of teaching primordial sound meditation, which is sound vibration the universe is making the moment of your birth, and taking those teachings, which are really his flagship teachings, and translating those live teachings into an online format. And because I was so passionate about the teachings, but I didn't know how to meditate, I asked for a mentor, I asked for support, because I was going to be one of those students that I knew was out there to say, I now have an online program, I don't need a live teacher in front of me, I'm going to feel like a failure and have the, the communication. Perhaps it's a very different delivery, you know, obviously when you do it in an online format. And so I went very deep into the teachings. I started working with one of the co-founding members of the Chopra Center, and he really just explained to me the entire process. And that's where that distinction started to come. And when I learned mantra-based meditation, that for me was a very clear style meditation for me. I understood... Mantra-based is transcendental? Mantra-based. So Deepak Chopra revitalized a style of mantra-based meditation called primordial sound meditation. Can you please elaborate um, more on that? Or if you can give yeah. us a more demo of that meditation? Yeah, it's well, it's, it's from the Vedic tradition. So really what it is, is the sound vibration uh, that the universe makes, uh, it changes with the rotation of the moon. So everything in the universe has a sound vibration. And back 5,000 years ago, these ancient rishis could track and hear the sound of the universe. So they documented these sounds. And when you take a Vedic mathematic calculator that takes into consideration your time of birth, date of birth, and location of birth, latitude and longitude, and you put it into this Vedic calculator, um, you get one of the sounds. So there's 108 of these sounds. And that primordial sound meditation or that mantra is your personal sound vibration, really the, the song, if you will, that the universe is making the moment of your birth. And that and Vedic so calculator, uh, not to interrupt you here, so that Vedic calculator, is it online or where can we find that calculator? You can go to any of the Chopra certified instructors and they can teach you the practice. So it's a practice. There's thousands of teachers around the world. Uh, the online program that I just is also a really valuable program that you can learn this of teaching, this methodology, and you can receive your personal mantra as well. And so this style of meditation was very powerful for me. And then just mantra in general uh, from the Vedic tradition, the mantra style of meditation is really what helped me. So while the, the mantra of your primordial sound is very powerful, the mantra-based practice really kind of exposed uh, me to a new systematic way that I could learn to meditate that made sense for me. So that's sort of what my entry was of saying, okay, I've got this. It's really easy because I had a process that was easy to understand. Got it. 
Meditation is very buzzword nowadays. People are talking everywhere. Meditation, mindfulness, yoga. But still people don't do it. Why do you think people are not <laughs> doing meditation? It's everywhere. So many apps. It's online. So many teachers. And that that makes me upset why people don't do meditation. <laughs> well, we can't get upset about it. But, uh, it's very surprising. I met with a client recently who really wanted to meditate, who was in a very hot times people come to me in high states of stress. I work with a lot of performance type people and I think almost on the verge of breakdown. And so a lot of people come to me at that place because they've run out of options, right? Um, and when we sat down and talked, I you know, talked about a lot of the benefits. I talked about the process. And I remember him looking at me saying, is, is it really all that? easy <laughs> and it, i mean can, can i really believe you that there's this many scientific benefits that the process is this easy and if i do this i'm going to see these transformations in my life and while you know certainly i can't promise and commit to all of that what you see over and over and over in science it's a process and it takes time it does absolutely we, people don't have patience it, it's not going to happen in a day it's going to take I remember I started doing it over three years ago and for first year, I didn't know what I was doing. I started doing meditation from Wayne Dyer, you know, Japa meditation. Have you heard of Japa? Yeah. J-A-P-A. I started, I, I used to do that and you have to make some weird loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> Japa is, it's about connecting to God universe, Japa, you know, through those sounds. And, uh, you know, it's it's tough. We don't know how to start. And when we get started, we have those self-doubts of what we are doing is correct or not. Right. And I think that's exactly what you just said. You don't know if it's correct or not, and we don't have the patience. So it's very difficult to bring something new into our lives that hasn't been proven. I mean, it's difficult to bring a new habit into our lives anyway. We see that all the time. But especially if we don't think it's been proven. And I think that's where the sticking point is. And if, if I if I can if I can ease people's mind, especially the person that says I've been wanting to meditate, you know, this person always says I should meditate. The study says I've always thought about meditating. I mean, if I could capture the amount of time that a person believes they should meditate or wants to meditate or wants to find the time or be mindful, and I could just take that and put it in a meditation practice, the benefits would be outstanding. So a lot of times I really want someone to know if you have ever wanted to do this and you're willing to put in the time and it doesn't take a lot of time to see big benefits, but if you're willing to take the time and as you just said, be patient and see what happens after 30 and 60 and 90 days and then really see what the difference is that it's making in your life, then we're really talking because all of that stress of thinking like, oh, I should do this, but I don't. That those things weigh on us. They weigh on our body. Oh, I should clean up my diet, or I, you know, want to be healthier. I want to move more. I want to sleep. Get make sure I get eight hours of sleep. Whatever those things are that we want to do, that we keep putting off and keep putting off, it puts a level of stress on us. So my kind of challenge to someone who says I want to do this, but hasn't done it in their life, is say, pick a start date and spend 30, 60, 90 days. I, ideally, I would love 90 days. 
Um, it takes actually on average about 66 days to form a habit. So let's let's call it 66 right. days. If the, if the habit is complex, otherwise it can be 15, 20, 21 days. Exactly. Exactly. And so really my challenge might be make a commitment to say on this day, and I am going to start meditation 66 days. I'm going to meditate 10 minutes in the morning. I'm going to meditate 10 minutes in the afternoon. I think everybody can carve out this time and then see what happens in 66 days. And if you don't want to make that commitment right now, then put all of that aside and don't think about it for another six months, period. And then come back to it because I think we spend too much time in our heads of what we should do and and if we gave ourselves a break from all of that and let ourselves again be mindful and be in the present moment and say, making a conscious decision to not meditate and that's okay. And maybe someday I'll change my mind and I'll, I'll think I'm really sad and I'll 66 years. Meditation is a lifestyle. You know, it's not a one day job. It's a lifestyle that we get to do it more and more and be consistent with mindfulness and meditation there are many many forms of meditation just pick one and just start and regarding benefits of meditation it's not tangible we cannot see that but we can feel it and when we feel it that matters yeah 100 percent. and when everyone around us feels i mean that's really powerful too it's energetic you know when you're calm people feel that calmness around you if you're drowsy angry in that negative emotional state, you send that energy out. Absolutely. We have a personal energy and we also have a collective. You know, we can be in, I mean, we think we've all been in a space that we walk into a group of people that are maybe feeling anxious or feeling happy or, you know, maybe we're doing a celebration. You know, maybe you're celebrating someone's a wedding or a new baby coming in and you have this sense of joy that collective magnifies and so our personal energy absolutely affects everyone around us and we can make a difference our the i really truly believe that our individual choice to meditate is going to transform of course our personal self i mean it really i mean obviously you know the, the scientific benefits uh, and the research and the studies that have been done is incredible from a health standpoint, from a physical standpoint, an emotional, a psychological, a uh, relationship, you know, even clarity of mind and productivity level, defense level. I mean, all of those studies have shown that. So I don't have a question now about that, but that ripples out into the people close to us. And then again, that ripples out. It, it truly has a magnificent ripple effect that's also been studied in how when we meditate with the collective, how we expand those benefits. And we read and hear a lot of benefits of meditation and mindfulness, yoga, internet. Have you or do you remember or any instance comes to your mind that your client was telling you all those benefits that they have received in their personal life and professional life from meditation? 
Yeah, say that. Where, where is the question? That if it's uh, the individual. Have, yeah. So, do you, if you do you remember any instance when your clients told you the benefits they have received from meditation? Oh yeah, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, there's so many benefits. It's beautiful when one comes to meditation from a different angle. You know, there's there's a lot of different reasons. I I think I've seen productivity really increase, clear of mind. People will be able to take on more projects, um, be more productive, be more compassionate, be better leaders. I've definitely seen that. I mean, for me personally, I think the benefits have radically changed my life. And I, I love to talk about my personal benefits because I had done yoga for so many years and really that had transformed my life. And when I added the meditation and I really got a very, as you mentioned, a very consistent and regular practice in meditation, it absolutely transformed my life. It was truly a, a cumulative and exponential uh, habit or benefits. You know, if you will, you talk with these keystone habits of sleep and things that, that affect everything else in my life. And meditation absolutely did that. And so for me, I had suffered for many years uh, from depression, I had a high level of anxiety, and meditation completely 100% cured all of my depression, and really significantly reduced anxiety. I know that so many people right now in the world are suffering can, can from mental health. In, in a medical case. Sorry, say that again? Can meditation help in a medical case? Hmm? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we've seen those studies before. I mean, uh, what I don't recommend is that someone takes themselves to get off of medication uh, or makes that decision. I mean, this is always something that needs to be talked about and considered with health professionals. There are a couple small situations uh, that meditation isn't as beneficial for some people that actually a physician or a doctor or someone should should look at that. Uh, in most cases, it's extraordinarily beneficial. And you see over and over, people are able to take this Eastern approach of meditation, mindfulness, and this holistic healing and combine it sometimes with some of the Western medicine to see you know, profound benefits in their lives. So absolutely, yeah. Exactly. And I think meditation has connectivity to our happiness. What do you think about the connection with our happiness? Well, I think that, I mean, it's intimately connected. I think so often when we live a normal life, we think happiness is a fleeting moment. It's something that I'm going to achieve or that I'm going to have. And there's something outside there that will make me happy. Deepak actually talks about it being so I succeed at this project and I get this job when I get married or have my family or you know there's some miles that I will be happy and it's shown that that just doesn't it is very fleeting and when we have this self-referral that we look within and we look for happiness as the unchanging part of us within that we can be centered and access the truth of who we are which is so much more than all of the pieces, objects and people and things and experiences that we move through, but we are 
this being that is moving through all these experiences. And when we connect within, then we have true lasting joy that's not fleeting happiness. So I would say that that's the exact root of, for especially for someone like me who has um, completely recovered from all chronic depression, is that I have a sense of calm and joy and inner peace that I've never had in my life. And so I have a lot more. So then I guess the word happy, I have a lot more joy. I have a lot more happiness in the simple things of life. And then, you know, I have a new house or, you know, something like that happens. That's great too. But it really... That is a thrill. When we get something out of it, that is a thrill. Because happiness lies within. It comes from within. Absolutely. And in your book, you have talked about happiness is more than a feeling. Happiness is a moral obligation. Can you please elaborate on that? Yeah, that actually is bigger. Um, wrote a book that happiness is a moral obligation. And I loved that for the very reason of what you said, because it ripples out and people can feel it. And that w exactly what you said, we are in a space that we're negative and we reject that world. And we can't take a moment, if we can take a moment to be mindful and say, I'm feeling this way. Perhaps it's angry, sad, mad, or maybe it's positive emotions. And that's okay, I'm feeling this way and it doesn't define me. And so being able to be centered in a feeling, but to know that I'm much more than that feeling, then I can live with an expanded awareness and I, I don't have to shut a feeling down. I think it's not very just to say, well, it shouldn't be, I shouldn't be that, and I shouldn't do that. I think it's our obligation to show up in the world as whole beings for ourselves, our community, and really for the world. And when to do that, then we're able to really connect again to, to the true source of, of who we are and not just ripples out everyone. So I think it's a very, it's a moment of missing the feeling, but knowing that defined by that feeling. We have so many distractions in the world, we try to escape behind movies, Netflix, or some random things instead of being mindful and being mindful of what we are feeling and going through. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you recommend some practices to cultivate more happiness? All that comes from within, but there is layer of conditioning, layer of belief and we are not able to see our happiness, which is inside us. So how can we cultivate that happiness? Yeah, that's a um, goal to have, and I think it all comes down to mindfulness, and of course, <laughs> meditation. So I think that we, when we are not living in the present moment, then we're the past, or we're living in the future. And I think that's where all of the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the shame, the guilt, you know, everything lies. So if we want to cultivate 
more joy than we need to live in the present moment. And the only thing we need to do is really to be aware. And I, it kind of comes full circle back even to the start of our conversation of, you know, why aren't meditating? Because we don't have a good definition of it. We think we have to shut down the world. We have to be silent and clear our minds. That's not true. And being in the now doesn't mean that you disconnect the world. It means that you are full aware and enjoying every single moment. Because if I am in this moment talking with you and everyone else who's listening, but I've got something running in the back of my mind of wearing something that I think is more important or I can't do or is urgent, I am completely disconnected from the present moment. It happens all I, the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. And we can't be happy. We, we simply cannot be happy because we are splitting ourselves. And we're not meant to be separate. We're not meant to be split. We are meant to live in the present moment. So if I can be aware that I have a thought, oh, I need to do this later, maybe even write it down on a list perhaps, and then come right the present moment, then I can live in that space of the now. And that absolutely is a must practice. And the beauty part of mindfulness is that it is very, very learned. And if we're willing to work hard beginning to be incredibly and not judge that I'm doing we have the neuroplasticity of the brain, the brain is very malleable and after time after time of just having that awareness, oh I'm gonna come back to the present moment, that strengthens and we live more in the present moment. We have more joy, we have more patience, we have gratitude. And then of course gratitude is one of the most amazing ways to be happy and cope with that. Because when we're grateful, we really do come instantly into the moment. I'm comparing, I'm not wishing that I was someone else. I'm just in this space saying, oh, I'm really grateful and appreciative I think for uh, this. Practicing gratitude becomes a lot easier when we are in happy mood, when everything is going the way we want in our life. But when things go sideways, <laughs> you know, when, we, when, when our life is not going the way we want it to be, then gratitude kind of sucks. We feel that, you know, why? <laughs> why should we? What is there to be grateful for? But it's so, always right there. It's always right there. There's always so much gratitude. I mean, I think we can see, any one of us can see that in our lives when we think like, oh, this is terrible. This and then we look around the corner and A, it just got better. And we go, oh, I wouldn't have been here. If it wasn't for that, I'm grateful. And I can look back. So now when I'm in the difficult moments and say, oh, something good is going to come of this and I'm going to get through it more quickly. Or if things go the other way and it just goes worse and it goes downhill, and then I can, oh gosh, I should have been grateful because I didn't know it could get worse. So right. there's a, again, it's a big cultivation. I mean, I think all of this is being incredibly aware that our pattern has been to just let it snowball down a path and we follow one thought to the next thought to the next thought or experience or negativity or whatever and our our job is to just notice and that's it and if we keep noticing everything naturally we're always going to land in our center which is space of the now which is full of gratitude full of inner peace and joy i mean that is kind of, I mean, that's really our anchor. And that's, you know, we kind of, you talk about mantra meditation or 
any meditation for that matter, you have an anchor. So the boat can't drift too far away. And that's what awareness is. It allows us to see that I'm going down this path and then I can come right back. I remember the saying from Tony Robbins that uh, we cannot be in a gratitude state if we are angry. They're both negative and positive emotions. They do not exist at the same time. And gratitude becomes really must when life is tough. Mm-hmm. And then focusing on the positive things that we have. We all have something that we can be grateful for. But our mind is always looking for negative things. And we can shut down that mind in that moment. And not shutting down completely. What I mean to say is being mindful of what we have. A hundred percent. And sometimes journaling is a great part. I love that. When it's really hard to naturally have a space of gratitude, that's when it's really nice to shut everything in the world down and say, I'm going to open up a, a gratitude journal or I'm going to type in notes on my phone that uh, of the things I'm going to be grateful for. Or I'm going to send a message to someone that I love, grateful for. I mean, every single one of us can think of a person we love unconditionally that's so easy to love and we can feel the gratitude for that person. And that's so, okay, this is a good point. Uh, reaching out to people whom we love and care about and focusing out when we are struggling through tough times. Do you ever feel like somebody will check your journaling? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I actually don't journal much anymore, but I did. I remember getting rid of the journals back in college a long time ago. No, I, I, I like... I. I don't know. I think everything is a part of us, right? So there are many, many parts of us. But yeah, I can understand. I've heard people say that if they journal, their kids (laughs) will look at it, their spouse will look at it, their family will look at it, they will know all the secrets. Then we can, if we don't want to reveal our secrets, then we can try writing in computer or write on a paper, but then throw it away, tear it down. There are so many billion ways to practice this. I just figured to do something. Yeah, but I would ask someone if if you're fearful of someone reading a journal, why? I really want to know what the source is to that, right? Like, what what is the fear? Yeah, because again, like that's not in the now. To cultivate this practice, but but if I'm writing and I'm afraid of that person reading it, I I am not in the now, and so. What what about it is creating that, you know, that fear or anxiety? And I think if we can almost expose that, and then all of that melts. Because most of these things in our mind are not real. Yeah, We've made up these stories. And so let's just say that, you know, you know your partner, we're afraid that my partner's going to read these. You know, what if I went to my partner and said, hey, I really want to journal about what I'm grateful for, but have this weird fear <laughs> that maybe real, maybe irrational, that you're going to read it and that there'll be a secret exposed. And just by saying that, we really open up more possibilities. So I, I think that if we start kind of looking at this, and of course, if one doesn't work for us and it feels really constricting, like you said, I'll toss it out and use another one. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'd be after questions. <laughs> And in in your book, there is one segment, you have got choices. Can you please elaborate on that part? Sure, we have choices. What 
what part of that? I mean, every moment, every moment is, is a choice. Every moment is infinite possibilities. I mean, if I take this back to the teachings of meditation, we teach that you're becoming aware of all these experiences you've talked about between every thought, between every experience, as you just said with Tony Robbins, you have anger and gratitude. There is a space between every activity, between every thought, between every next step. And that space is not nothing. That space is everything. It is truly potential. So if I'm in the now and I'm expanding that space between these activities, then all I'm doing is expanding the potential. And so I think when we are in a state of more creative flow and more joy and more lightness, knowing that this experience now is not fixed in next space, anything is possible. And we see people transforming their lives every second. So um, we absolutely have choice. And the practice of mindfulness, teaching, I mean, really, truly expands the possibilities, you know, almost endlessly. Exactly. And what are the books that have changed your life in a positive way? If you remember some books. Yeah, it is Michael Singer's. Uh, he wrote The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment. And really, this is, that's actually a really great question. So thing I've talked about really is living in the now. Uh, he gives very practical tip on how to of sort of that viral and how to let energy flow through us and let things get stuck that are toxic in the body. Um, so, uh, the Untethered Soul is one of the books. I could read that book over and over. I've actually had it by my bed. And I finished it the next day. I just started back over. <laughs> that's that's definitely the book Amazon cart being sent to people more than any other book. I will put these books in the show notes. Oh yeah, please. Your experiment is is absolutely wonderful. It is his uh, that one you only read once. Uh, that book is really explains how he wrote the Untethered Soul. And where people can find you online. To get the updates on meditation, yoga, Ayurveda, and all the sources. Yeah, so please come find me. I'm at Bija Living, B-I-J-A-L-I-V-I-N-G. So Bija Living, you can see online at bijaliving.com. If you go to YouTube, I have lots and lots of meditations and mindfulness and just some of these practical tips, too, to help us live a more mindful life, to be more aware to um, a lot of kind of basics if someone's interested in learning the basics of meditation they can find some great videos there so there's a lot of free resources there and of course all the social channels um, you can find me as well yeah, or send me an email personally julie at visualliving.com i would love to hear from people any way i can do support your listeners i am here for you well thank you so much julie it has been an amazing conversation Thank you, Nishan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm sending you love and present moment light and awareness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I absolutely receive it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. I hope you learned from this episode that you can apply in your life. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to the podcast, The Nishan Garg Show on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the show through my website, https://nishangarg.me. 
n i s h a n t g a r g me you can also share this podcast with your family and friends or whoever want to feel fulfilled and thank you so much again